With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Red Fellas, your go-to Liverpool stroke therapy session on a Sunday night, as the case may be. Um, you're all very welcome. See that intro of, well, not I haven't done it myself, but a good friend of mine has made for me. See at the end where it says like and subscribe. Hope you guys have all done that, first and foremost. That's the that's the house rules out of the way. Um Cav didn't obviously, so he's left the stream. He's had enough. As he comes back into the stream, Cav's going to like and subscribe as well now because he realized he forgot the house rules. So if any of you have forgotten the house rules, stop what you're doing, forget everything else. Let's get a like, let's get a subscribe if you haven't, and then we can get into it. Uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to uh, Redfellas, everyone. Um, I'm having a stinker as well because I haven't even got my sponsors up and that just shows you the state of play or state of my mind. Um, but yeah, it is what it is. Ben says, big up, boys. Need some entertainment after the pain of watching the scum lift a trophy. Yeah, we're just going to not talk about it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Like, as Steve tweeted, was there another game on today? Yeah, the only one I was concerned with because it affects Liverpool was the Chelsea Spurs game because it affects our place in the Premier League. The other one. I was going to say good luck to them, but I think the guys would have kicked me out of my own show. 
if I said that. So, yeah, Sodom over the East Lanks. Uh, they can do what they want. Uh, Pixelade Peter says, big up the Red Fellas. We miss Nunes so much in that Palace game. But Chetich too, to be honest, we're going to get right into it. <sighs> Pixelade Pigeon. Uh, first Super Chat of the night, Jerome. Simon's, of course, a very happy Man United fan, I'm assuming. Says GGMU. Um, yeah, you know I'm not going to read that out or whatever. Just GGMU. I'll just repeat the abbreviations, whatever they be. Uh, Tom says Sunday is for Redfellas. It is indeed. It is indeed. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Tom, for that. Uh, yeah, look, it is what it is. We are into the stream right now. There's 160 of you camped in here already. Smash a like while I talk about our lovely, amazing sponsors. We already know who they are. They are yourfutcard.com. Your go-to website. I mean this. I don't just say it. It's not empty words. They are fantastic. The reviews they've been getting have been fantastic. So many happy content customers. Go check them out. Create your own card. Get your skills. Get your pictures of your of your daughter, your 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 boy, your uncle, your niece, whoever you want on it, get whatever names and skills you want on it. You know the drill. If you want lovely prints made, get them prints made. Um, fantastic prints, banners, flags, all that kind of business. Look at that. Some some new additions there. Um, any Man United fans out there, look at that. That Martinez one's pretty, pretty good. Um, yeah, I think that's a Chelsea one in there. I'm not sure Chelsea one's going to be too popular right now. But it is what it is. Go check them out. And if you type in, uh, oh, you can even get these type of card ones, these card uh, ones as well. We can get a mate in the picture as well. That's interesting. But as I said, I haven't got all the answers. They have. And if you want all the answers, if you've got the questions, go and ask them and they'll answer you and help you straight away. On top of everything else, you type in Redfellas15. You get 15% discount as well after all of that. So go check them out. Your go-to for all flags, banners, and FUT cards. Um, all right, Kev. <clears throat> yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm all right. Just trying to wake myself up as you put in the description, snooze fest. Exactly that, weren't it? You know, we're going to try and uh, talk on the game and what have you, and hopefully... No, we don't need to cheer each other. I don't think it's therapy this week. We probably need livening up a little bit, don't we? Yeah, I, I, I'm not going to lie. I came with the intention today of just really speaking to you guys. Like, mm. we've pretty much got the A team. Like, no disrespect to the the chicken, the ones that chickened out today. But hard times. What's the what's that saying? Hard times. Something last. Something. Something. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Don't, know, don't know that one, Chris. Yeah. Don't know that yeah, one. We'll just write that one down, lads. Whatever it is, give us, yeah, something, something, hard times, something. Anyway, you get the drift. Got the A team in town, and I'm not gonna lie, I don't really want to. I'm probably gonna end up asking loads of questions, like as a host, but really, I just wanted to come and have a chat with you guys and say, Hi, how's things? Liverpool Football Club, what are they doing to us mentally, physically? How are we doing? How are we feeling? What's the outlook? All that kind of business. Do you know one of those ones, Conroy? I've got myself a nice little cup of tea where some people, right, always mistake it for saying I love Scylla, as in, you know, Scylla, but it's really Cecilia from my time out in Italy. It's <laughs> just a big, big line of blind date, just like a huge you know I mean? black I, I, listen, not a lot of people know this. I used to love watching Blind Date. Not a, not a lot of people know that. All right, that's a little secret for you. 
I used to love watching Blind Date. Now yeah. we can all we can all admit and have confessions, right? Feel free, because that's the state of mind I'm in. I'm here to confess. I used to watch Blind Date. I didn't fancy Silla Black or anything, my God. But you know, I'm even though I like her, it was not I love because some people were saying I love Celia. Who's that? <laughs> I love Celia. But anyway, you, you're just like here's our Graham with the reminder, didn't you? That was the bit you liked, wasn't it? That's the bit. <laughs> Steve knows. <laughs> Connor, how you doing, mate? Yeah, all right, mate. To be honest, um, I had a bit of a busy one yesterday, so I managed to catch the game. To be honest, I probably should have just continued having a busy one. It would have been more interesting, I think, to be honest. Um, but yeah, as you say, Grizz, good to chat about it tonight because, to be honest, um, it's really hard because every, every week I usually write a little list of a few things we could mention. And then it seems to be at the moment that it's him it seems to be at the moment that i'm just writing the same things every week if it's maybe not that week it's the previous week you know it's there's like a collection of thoughts i've got at the moment and it seems i just have to pick one each week because they keep repeating themselves and again we'll, we'll talk about that tonight but i share the frustration with, with, with you all with you Grizz, and, and and the chat it just seems to be um groundhog day is probably not an accurate term but it, it just seems to be that there's for me at times we're clutching at straws for positives and I'm a bit sick of that, to be perfectly honest. And I think Madrid reinforced that during the week. And then yesterday just absolutely battered uh, that opinion. Um, yeah, so no improvement. Just literally, I think as Jamie Carragher said it, we'll be have a couple of wins, then a couple of losses. And it'll be like that to the end of the season. Well, to be honest with you, you actually said this a few weeks ago. You said, look, it's going to be like that. We're going to have, we're going to have ups and downs because of the state we find ourselves in. And we've done the blame game and... Who's, who's responsible for it. And we may get into it. We probably will get into it again today. But look, Steve, we're, we find ourselves in a position where it's not really a shock. We're not just, we've not come into the stream thinking, what the fuck did we just see? What was that? It's it's part and parcel of the, the season we're having. And we'll get into the reasons why we're having that season. But it's kind of just normal, right? We're going to have ups and downs and it's going to continue, right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's no getting away from it. Yesterday was was far from great. Um, you alluded to it in your tweet that, that it's a third clean sheet in the Premier League. Um, so if you're looking for positives, and I know Conroy's not of the opinion to do that too much, um, given our season to date, you kind of have to look at that. But the massive caveat off the end of it, mate, is we should be winning those games against those sides, or we feel we should be winning those games against those sides. Because today Spurs go and win and put a little bit of extra distance between ourselves and them. Um, so at final whistle goes, one of them in the game, you don't win the game, you don't concede goals, which is a positive, and then your rivals go and get a bit of a march on your following day, which totally, totally adds to the frustration of, of a game we all felt we should have won. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pimping Distress says, smash the likes, big up Michael Kane impressions, G. If you know, you know. Do you know Michael Caine, lads? You're probably too young for him. Of course, yeah. I know who Michael Caine is. I know Michael Caine. Well, I don't know, innit? Because you guys surprise me sometimes every week. Like, you, 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 you know what I mean? You forget, like, the old golden oldies. Yeah. I Harry was going to do the impression, but I can't do the impression. You know, the I think, is it is it Steve Coogan? <laughs> or is it it's the one who's in Gavin and Stacey? Oh, the Welsh, Rob Bryden. He does a very, yeah. very good Michael Caine. But I'm not going to try it. Well, I'm not it. brilliant at it, but I know that line. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah, I'll just do that one. Um, <laughs> like, share, subscribe, as Brush says. The One of the only decent Man United fans that enters our chat. Good lad, Brush. Uh, 
uh, Aleph Aaron's in the building as well. Top guy as well. Um, Jerome, who's actually a decent Man United fan. He's not bad. He feeds me chocolates with the with the, with the Super Chats. He says, go and buy yourself a chocolate. Uh, he says, the saying goes, hard times equals Liverpool in the mud. Lol. GGM, you love the show, guys. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the love. Um, I want to come to you, Cav, because during the week, we obviously know what happened after the Champions League game. And then what happens is when you when you hit not a rock bottom, we've had much more rock bottoms, but when you hit a when it's at the end of the night and you've just lost five two at home after being two 0 up, it feels like the worst rock bottom. And then so what you need after that in the ensuing few days before the next game is the leader, the man behind the whole project who's gonna either lift you or walk or get sacked or whatever. Jurgen Klopp's mm. performance, or whatever you want to say in the press conference, to, for me, was pretty much exactly what I expected and I hoped. He instilled hope in me again. I, he got me believing again, everything else. And like I said, I tweeted it before the game, I said, he's got me believing, he's got me wanting to support, and I actually did. I, obviously, I'm able and blessed to be able to go and support so I did um, rather than just I could you know sit at home and just tweet away and go mad I said now it's the players turn and I said the same after the champ before the Champions League game the crowd have done their bit mm -hmm. the atmosphere everything was set now the players have to turn up they didn't turn up apart from the first 20 minutes and even in this game Cav the manager done the motivational part right but I don't think his selection and the team justified any any raised hope again for me personally. How did you feel? Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, Klopp has that ability to sort of rally everybody together and get everybody back on side again and believing again. It's a special ability that he's used and has made us very successful. Um over a period actually this season where I didn't feel like he was doing that a lot, but he seems to have come out and be speaking a lot more and getting the fans on side, especially. Um, but you're dead right. There's there's a large chunk of this season that has been disappointing and you can look towards some of the players because, I mean, I've said this a thousand times, but I always feel like going into these games that we have enough when I look at the team sheet to not only go out and get a, you know a draw, but actually go out and win these games. And quite often we're just left disappointed. And um, a large part of that is down to, yeah, tactics, coaching, this and that. But these players are vastly experienced, you know, not only in competing, but winning. You know, they know the system, they know what's required. And quite often I just feel like they're just bang out of form. But then also too often, and I felt like the game against Palace, we're starting to question sort of attitude again and enthusiasm and these kinds of things. And I... I really thought that we were over that hurdle with, you know, the sort of couple of nice results we got against Everton and Newcastle. Felt like the motivation was there to, to maybe just target this remainder of the season and finish as strong as possible. Um, I was actually, quietly, I kept this to myself, a little bit concerned that we would finish really strongly this season and then would go into the summer thinking, actually, things are a lot better than they perhaps um, really are. But as it turns out, it looks like we are going to have that inconsistency that uh, Conroy alluded to. So, um We'll talk about the specifics of the games, the selection and the subs. But I, I agree with, um, with your statement that I think the players themselves are just 
they're letting themselves down and and um, I think that's really disappointing at this stage. Yeah, I think that's a very good line at the end there. The players are letting themselves down. Um, first and foremost, you've got to have a personal pride about you, right, Steve? Players have got to have personal pride. They are professionals. They are high professional players. Great players, in some cases, have been through the highs with us and through the lows. And this is most certainly the lowest they will all have felt as a team, as a group, and as a management um, and the whole, the management as a whole. And so when you try to dissect what's going wrong, there has to be a large portion of blame at the players themselves. We'll get into why they may feel like that, but you, you can't forget the players. They've got a responsibility themselves, right? Yeah, I think for us, it's a confidence thing more than anything else. You look at what we've achieved and getting to within two games of, of football in immortality and then it doesn't work. And we end up with the two of the four that we probably would say, we'll take them, but they're not the ones we want. So you go into the game against Real Madrid on, on Tuesday night, you get hammered at home in front of your own fans. Any momentum, any confidence, any anything at all we've built up beating Everton and Newcastle goes out the window the moment they scored the third goal. It was evident that the confidence just drained out of the side. It wasn't back for the game against Palace. We'll get into the lineup. I think that, that shows that it wasn't back against after the game against Madrid. Okay to speak about it now, I guess, because it's on screen. Yeah, yeah, Jack let's go for it. Yeah. Don't if you want to zoom a bit, Con. Sorry. Go there you go. So so that midfield three is a we will go to Celeste Park and we will not lose midfield, rather than we will go to Celeste Park and we will be a little bit more expansive and we will try and win the game. And off the back of the Real Madrid fixture, I can kind of understand why he did that because to not lose is, is, is probably the most important thing to him. To small steps again, we're back where we started, aren't we? Building small steps, building momentum, building confidence. It it wasn't a great defensive performance. Uh, Matessa should have scored when, when they mugged Trent on, in the right-back position and he hit the crossbar. But it's a clean sheet. It's not a loss. And in his press conference, that's how he dressed it up. And I, I think he's convinced himself that's what it is. Mm. Conroy, I don't know if Steve's there, Steve's there. Conroy, uh, as, as Steve says, we get into the lineup and the lineup comes out. <clears throat> we knew, we anticipated a few changes. Obviously, a, uh, a couple enforced, maybe. Well, Nunes definitely enforced, Tiago definitely enforced. And obviously, we know about Diaz. But I think Gomez probably wouldn't have started anyway, but he was injured. I don't know. Maybe you think otherwise. Because looking at that team, I'm totally with Steve where you says, as soon as I saw that team, <clears throat> I thought psychologically we haven't overcome that second half against Madrid because we have chosen a team to not get beat as opposed to go out there, create chances, be attacking, be a bit brave. That's how I looked at the lineup. Yeah, no, I think that's. I actually agree with you both. I, I think um, when you see that, obviously, I know there's there's obviously sports science, and they'll maybe say, right, in the legs, these players need to start, and you can maybe use that as as the main reason. But I think um, a good outlook to see how people have of maybe what's the word, how training's been a couple of days after the game, 
is to come back into the next match and just attack that. And I feel like that lineup didn't show that. I don't know if you guys feel like there's another reason, but I, I agree. I feel like, to me, that just shows that there's... Um, like even the Gomez one, you could see this injury, but there's there's definitely a maybe trauma is a bit strong, but there is there's something on that that they that team they didn't Klopp didn't feel that that lineup um, was ready to start this game, and I think that maybe says a lot. It probably just adds fuel to the fire of the season, to be honest, guys. It's just we're we're I'm not going to be too erratic, but we're playing Naby Keita, a player who again was another poor performance, doesn't want to be there. He's going to have to go. You've got James Milner, who's 37. And I'm not going to criticise James Milner. He should not be in that position. And at times, he's came on and actually looked better than some of our midfield, which is actually... Oh, ridiculous. he was the best midfielder. Oh, he was the best. Oh, oh, I'm telling you now, I was there. He was the best midfielder yeah. on the pitch. Not on the that, pitch, that, that possibly, but, yeah. but, but I mean, yeah. from us, yeah. Slot, and that's, that's mad. That's wild. And it's also embarrassing. Because it's either the youngest kid that's the best player in our in our midfield, or it's the eldest. And how many times have we said the same thing? Why is it so extremes with us guys? It's either the eldest or the youngest. Um, yeah. Sorry, I interrupted you. But no, no, no. Yeah, you're right. I just I think that kind of sums up. See, when I saw that lineup, I'm just like, it's just a bit. If you've seen that written down on paper, like to me. And it's not, it can't all, all be ran like a business. I accept that. But if you talk about like contingency planning, continuity planning, <clears> you look at like, we're not the same as Madrid. I get that. But Madrid have got Cruz, Modric, who are just on a different level. But they are bringing Shuameni, Camavinga. I know I get it. They operate differently. But it just, we just don't have that. It just seems to be, it's, we'll, we'll, we'll just paper over the cracks. We'll just put that in there. The fact that we've got James Milner still actually having to play a role more than he has in previous seasons in the last two years, I think just emphasises how poor our planning's been, to be honest. Or, or you maybe could say how poor our recruitment's been because of some of the players. You've got a £65 million flop at right midfield who gets taken off at half-time, and then you've got a 37-year-old who is starting your game. I think it just shows you exactly where we are. Um, and I know we'll go into that more in, later on, but to me, it's mm. just a bit like... Yeah, it's. I wouldn't say I'm surprised, but I'm just a bit... It just it, something. Baffled? Is, I don't know. We don't, we don't help ourselves. I just don't think we help ourselves. It's just like it just highlights how poor our planning's right. been at some point. Some recruitment's been great, but I just think well, well, people will say like you know excuses and stuff. And just, for me, it's like there's been enough evidence to say, as we've spoken about many times, we should have been more prepared for this. We weren't, and this is where we are. Yeah. Uh, Do you know? On, if, if 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 I might, Chris, um, I totally get the point about. Uh, being beaten quite comfortably in front of our own fans by Real Madrid, but Real Madrid are a completely different team to Crystal Palace. And I understand there's not much confidence in the camp right now. And I understand there ain't much form because we beat Everton in a derby and then we beat a 10-man Newcastle. But I don't understand why we would look at that Real Madrid game and, and be burnt by it and that affect our selection when it comes to Palace. In, obviously, in terms of fitness, yes. But in terms of being conservative, I know it's Salah's part. I know it's Saturday night under the lights and that crowd can really get up for it. But just look at them and look at their form and look at their forwards. Like they literally have a Lise that's a good attacking option, but he's not even certified great, is he? And it's just like, why are we in fear of these teams? For me, I've seen that selection and it was like, OK, yeah, we've got the road in midfield. We're going to try and 
answer some of the questions we've had this season, which is being overrun, being out where it's being too easy to play through the middle of the park. But it just goes back to the fact that we have no creativity again in that midfield. I don't understand why the likes of Jones or Carvalho or Elliot can't get into that team. So I can shed a bit of light on that, sorry, if you don't mind. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we knew they had no creativity. We knew they were missing Wilfred Zaha. We knew that Eze wasn't able to play alongside Elise. It doesn't work for them to do that. So we went with what we thought would be a physical battle. We thought they'd try and beat us at set pieces. We thought they'd try and beat us by overrunning us in the set centre of the park, so so that's the reason why the likes of Harvey Elliott didn't start. Curtis mm. Jones has got a problem with shin splints, which means he can't he can't manage minutes at all, and that and that's a problem. He's got a really strange injury that amounts to shin splints. Mm. I don't think Curtis Jones makes a difference in there. To be honest with you, I can't decide for the life of me what Curtis Jones is as a, is as a footballer and how he helps solve our problems. But I think we went to to Crystal Palace expecting. Crystal Palace to jump on the back of a 5-2 home defeat to Real Madrid. Crystal Palace fans to jump on the back of that and then make it a bit of a physical battle. So we went with with three guys we thought would roll the sleeves up and if we needed to, well, not so much Cater, but if we needed to, James Milner shakes absolutely nothing physically when it comes to the game. Mm. I genuinely believe Klopp went there thinking that they'd try and do a number through the centre of the park. See, I, I think... Pretty, not the opposite, I think a little bit different. I think it was a case of two teams very low on confidence. Us, of course, after the humbling of Madrid. But like Cav says, it shouldn't have been like that because that was Real Madrid. And that before that, we'd kept two clean sheets. I believe it's now three out of the last four. Was it last? Yeah, three out of the last four. Three in the Premier League, clean sheets. Uh, seven out of nine points. Um uh, so you can dress it up how you want, I guess, from a statistical point of view, because now we have two home games against Wolves and United, which we're going to get on to at the end. But Steve, I actually think, and guys as well, I think it was two teams that were very low on confidence. They haven't won this year, by the way, but by the way, guys, they haven't won a game of football this year. Mm. They are very low on confidence, of course. Is it, they the it goes as well, Grizz. They conceded, I think, 10 before the they, break. They after. All around us, all around us, we were talking about how shit they are in the ground. But we were pulling our hair out how shit we were mm -hmm. as well. This was the problem. We've actually got a brilliant record there. I, I Usually I love going down there because we quieten the crowd down with an early goal usually and control proceedings majority. It was the op okay, it wasn't the opposite. I think we did, Asti, and but then this is where I agree with you. I do think he picked the most what he thought was going to be, I don't know what you want to put, like sort of know about the atmosphere and deal with it accordingly, right? And Nabi Keita, by the way, guys, I was there for his debut. Was it his first start? Where he'd done a little drag back, beat a player, put a ball over the top to Mohamed Salah, who should have scored. And I thought, to, and we all thought to ourselves, this is what we've bought, lads. We have bought an absolute gem of a baller here. I don't remember many more highs after that. I literally don't. I'm sat here. I can remember the Chelsea goal. Fantastic goal in the league season behind closed doors. Help me out with the rest. I don't remember many more highlights per se. Palace goal. Yeah. <laughs> see, funny enough, he usually does well against Palace. But this is what I'm saying. So I could see that Klopp's picked him because he's done a get well against Palace. Henderson and Milner... 
I don't know who wants to come back to it. It's 2023. I know. It's 2023 now, and we've got Henderson and Milner being wheeled out, dragged out, asked to come out. Um, I understand the Bejetic. Maybe Cav wants to go on his boy. I understand he can't play every single game. And I, if you're probably asking me which game should he have played against Palace away or Wolves at home, I probably would have played him Palace away because of the robustness and their energy in midfield. Wolves at home, I would have thought maybe if he's going to miss one of the games, home to home to Wolves, low block, we need a bit more progressive play, but I don't know. Once we saw Bajetic rested and Fabinho, did you understand the Fabinho resting as well? Did that kind of make sense to you? Because it seems like Henderson's playing more minutes when Henderson's the older player. Do you get where I'm going with this? It's all scrambled at the moment. I did not get it. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I was surprised to see Henderson start again because we've spoke recently about how the, the, the best Henderson wants to play so intensely and do all the running and stuff. But obviously, he can't continue to do that game after game. So you think, OK, he started alongside Fabinho in a couple of games, but then you think one of them would switch out and you thought the one that would switch out would be Henderson. Uh, but then he starts again. So what are we going to do? We're going to like go full circle and have, you know, these performances out of Henderson again, whereby he's not quite got the energy to perform as he wants. Um, strange. I thought, uh, I didn't think Fabinho was great, but I felt like there was some slight signs of improvement. There was. And I thought maybe we might try and continue me. to build on that. This is what's baffling me, Cav. He's not played much. He didn't mm. play at the World Cup. So pretty much a break. He hasn't been starting for us pretty much of a break. I don't, he's used to been playing two, three games a season for the last five, six seasons. This is the one season where he's at a rest. He's not playing two, three games a week. We're asking him just to play in this patch because after this, we've only got a game a week, pretty much, to the end of the season. It, it did not make sense to me, guys. The, the selection didn't make sense to me. We're going to get into the main headache one of the selections give us was the absence of Darwin Nunes. Um, again, a young striker that's coming to the fold on the back of huge media scrutiny because of his price tag. And yet here we are. I don't know about you guys then, sorry. Yet here I am, and I'll let you guys speak on it, absolutely convinced we're not going to create much. From the start, and I'm not a pessimistic guy. You guys know I'm always positive. I'm always trying to look on the bright side of life. Yeah, all of that business, right? Yeah. <clears throat> I, I, I said to my mates that I was with the game. I said, I said we're gonna, we're gonna create fuck all, yeah. Uh, and and I was proven right. Why? Why are we feeling like that, Conroy? Just because of Darwin Nunes not being in the squad lineup. Well, obviously we, we've mentioned that a few times before the Madrid game. Funny enough, like obviously Darwin, um, you know, parts of his game we know are not quite at that. Uh, maybe the. the top potential level we could get to like technical parts here and there touching that but his movement's very good his runs are quite clever as well seems to be improving that constantly and he gives a threat in behind so you know either either way defenses have to think like the Newcastle goal we spoke about last last week and again I'm going to come back to the mean Cav <laughs> um Dick Long him agenda point for the months now about um tactics in the sense of patterns of play and stuff our pattern to play is give the ball to Trent, right, most of the time. And then if he can find a pass, and it's not a coincidence that when you've got someone like Darwin Nunes, he 
excels with that as well. And he's so good at making runs like that that Trent can actually find him. Um, so obviously Darwin's not just with Trent, but I feel like that's one of our, he's our main creative player. Well, he is our creative player because to be perfectly honest, we've got another 10, nine players in the park. And it's at times it doesn't look like they do anything um, to, to incisive or as Cav says, at training to look at teams' tactical weaknesses and exploit that. I never see that, to be perfectly honest. I know we're going to speak about Trent later. We can add to that with that, um, with the predictability I'm, I'm... we will try to do as well. And I just, sorry, Grizz, and just in, and in general, that's why it works with Darwin, because he's very good at making those runs. And we've got players like Thiago in the past, but mainly Trent, who can find that. And, and yeah, I think, to be fair to Darwin, we're... The amount of scrutiny and criticism, but he's the one we're, we're crying out for because he actually gives us a bit of... People say chaos, which is correct, but to be fair to him, he does. He is effective. He causes havoc to defences. And to be honest, right now, we are a million miles off <laughs> at uh, attacking incisiveness. So I feel like our cohesion. And he, he's, he brings at least a bit of... I don't know, just a bit of havoc to the defence, which, to be honest, we've not got without See, I, I, I think it's beyond chaos and havoc now. I think they're just so... No, yeah, that, that's not... I mean, it's He's not, actually good. He's yeah, actually he's good. They tried to compare him to Haaland at the start, and if yeah, you knew football, that. you knew that was never going yeah, to be yeah, the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So I feel like if you this have, like, it. a kind of... You know, level, you, he gives you, us legs, guys. I looked at that team, Steve, and that is the slowest midfield that I can remember, and I've been supporting Liverpool since... Since uh, yeah. Nigel Spackman was a slow player, right? Uh, Charlie Adam, we all remember, right? But as a collective, Steve, Naby Keita, and I'm someone in the chat, tell me if I'm wrong. Naby Keita, Jordan Henderson, and James Milner is the slowest midfield that I can remember. Um, add to that, not a fully fit Jota. He's a, at least a couple of weeks away from peak sharpness. Mm. Gakpo, who's been playing who's we're trying to groom into the most complex role a Liverpool forward has had in the last five, six years, which is the Bobby Firmino role. How many times do we speak about it being the most pivotal role in our club's recent history? And we're getting a 19... I don't know how old he is, whatever how old he is, right? He's coming in and trying to play that role away to Crystal Palace with a fairly out-of-form Salah who's trying to find his rhythm again. He was better, I must admit, but not great. Jota, three slowest midfielders. Where I'm going with this, Steve, I don't know. But I think I'm going towards Jurgen Klopp here. And what he could have done differently and why can't he do things differently? You're suggesting Curtis Jones had an injury. He was in the squad. He shouldn't be in the squad then. You're suggesting Harvey Elliott wasn't physically... He's not physically ready, for robust enough. He's played in, against, he's played in many physical, robust games. And he's been... And we haven't bought a player because we believe in Curtis Jones. We believe in Harvey Elliott. We haven't got rid of Ox. We haven't got rid of Naby Keita in the last couple of years because we think they're able and useful. Something's drastically gone wrong in either the thought process or or something, Steve, to be in a position... Well, like I had this conversation with Sam Walker, who's very pro-armed field, and, and, and Sam Mottman saying this to you. We have nine centre midfielders in the squad. We should look at those nine centre midfielders and say it's before the season starts. Who can you count on? Who's going to be fit every week? Do we have a genie one out? And the answer is no, in terms of availability. Do we have players we can trust? Do we have the right bodies in midfield? And I think now, at this point in the season, everybody to a man would say, No, we haven't. The Harvey Elliott thing, 
I don't think it's a case of I don't think he's physical enough. The tried and tested 4-3-3 with the three midfield recyclers, Harvey Elliott can't do that job. He plays slightly advanced and you almost end up with a double pivot and your right-sided centre midfielder starts 15, 20 yards further forward so he's in touch with the front three. That's the role Naby Keita tried to play yesterday and it didn't work completely, didn't work at all. So I'm 100% behind you on the, the call-out on the Naby Keita situation. It, it's, it's, it's really frustrating as soon as I saw Nunes wasn't available, I thought, same as you, how do we create? Mo Salah stands up and tries to match other quality players in the team. He did it with Sadio Mane. Sadio Mane raised the bar and Mo Salah said, I'll have some of that and I'll take it on the level and I'll see if you can come with me. So by playing with Sadio Mane, Mo Salah stretched himself and tried to press himself and got more out of himself. Playing with Darwin Nunes, Mo Salah doesn't score against Everton if Darwin Nunes isn't there, by the way. So Darwin Nunes has become the catalyst in the front three to drag Salah along with him. That's the way I see it. He is now, and I'm going to, I'm going to exclude Alisson from this role because we know what Alisson does, and Alisson is Alisson. Right now, Darwin Nunes is probably the most important player that we're in on the pitch week in, week out. Because of the comment that was in the in the in the, in the chat, he gives us legs. He gives us options. He keeps centre backs honest. He backs himself. He runs into channels. He runs their legs off defenders. You're right. No pace at all in that side. Mo Salah didn't look quick at all. We never gave him the ball in an opportunity where he could be quick. We tried three uh, inside to outside passes in the first five minutes. Long balls into that channel. And Mitchell sorted him out. When Mitchell missed it, Gay sorted him out. So, so they had their dead his number. Darwin Nunes is pivotal to Liverpool's attack at the moment. Absolutely pivotal. And you're right about Cody Gakpo. Comes into the team, is learning to play the hardest role in, in, in world football, I'd argue. The Bobby Firmino role. There isn't another one. This guy, we think, could get us somewhere down the line to being as effective in some ways. We've already seen... In, in the games that we've seen, looks after the ball really well. He's a clever, smart footballer, but he's a long way away from being the finished article. And you're 100% correct about Diogo Jota being two, three weeks away from being really sharp. It took one injury to Darwin Nunes for all of us to doubt our bench, to look at our bench and go, whoa, hang on a minute. Who comes on? Who changes it? We did it. I went, went to watch along yesterday. That was the same thing that all of us said. Where You can't look at the bench. You can bring Bobby on. Bobby doesn't give you legs. Bobby gives you guile. Well, there's no point in having guile when you're up against two banks of four and making space really difficult. You need someone to stretch them, someone to run them. And the role that Gakpo is playing, he's too busy playing with his back to goal, 20, 30 yards too deep because there's nothing coming from the midfield. So it was really, really frustrating yesterday. And I'll go back to the point I made right at the top of the, the stream. I think, and stand by, Jürgen Klopp's sitting at home. He's not got the same concerns and the same issues that we've got because he didn't get beat. And that was his that was his his quest after getting absolutely rinsed at home and all these players falling off a cliff against Real Madrid and all the individual errors against Real Madrid. They were playing give and goes around our midfielder. Nacho was dropping his shoulder and going past our centre midfielders. The second half was embarrassing. And what he's done there is he set up a team to go there, give a reasonable physical account of ourselves and, and not to lose the game. And he's achieved his objective. 
genuinely now believes that he can do the difference between now and Wednesday night when Wolves come to Anfield, where we go into a game on the front foot, feeling like we can win a game of football. Because I'm pretty sure you all would agree, watching Liverpool last night, I don't think they felt like they could win a game of football. Some of them didn't want to be there. Uh, just a super chat with regards to that, Steve. Uh, I come to Cav with this one. He says, "Question: Do you think? Do you guys think Klopp relies? Yo, what's good? Uh, appreciate the support as usual, my guy. Do you guys think Klopp relies too much on balls over the top? Too much? What Steve was talking about the Trent to Darwin Nunes is the only avenue I see of us causing any kind of danger or threat." I do. I need to see more from a top manager like Klopp tactically. Absolutely. A couple of other ones that are just happy about Man United. Natural says, Grizz tells you I'll see him in two weeks. Yeah, my, no problem. See you in two weeks. Gandahar says, we have to start. We have, we have, to, we have started to block on certain goals. Yeah, we're going to get into that because um, I get, look, on the back of what Steve said, I have elements of... Uh, uh, okay, I have huge elements of frustration because it does seem... Our patterns of play, like Conroy and you guys have been spoken about, our, our methods and our ways of scoring goals is very limited. Do you remember New, uh, New York? Uh, Newcastle, I wish I was in New York. I will be in June, but more, more to reveal later. Um, <laughs> um, do you remember we spoke about the goals against New, uh, Newcastle and said, oh, finally, Liverpool kind of goals. You know, <laughs> we could trench Trent, and then we saw Mane-esque runs and finishes and chaos, whatever money's do. Darwin Nunes does that. Take Darwin Nunes out of the equation. We're back to where the fuck's our creation going to come from? Where's our goals going to come from? We had Robertson crossing the ball in, making lung-bursting runs, because he's the only one who's got energy right now in the whole team, apart from Nunes. He's the only one who can run, basically. Mm. But he's crossing the ball into, like Steve says, Gakpo, who's busy trying to learn, trying hard, right? I'm not... I don't rate Gakpo. You guys already know. So I'm not going to jump on his neck after a nil-nil because it's not the problem. He's the least of our problems right now. So people, don't take this the wrong way. Oh, here we go. Him and his Gakpo agenda. Gakpo tried his hardest out there, Kev. I saw him. First time I've seen him live and in the flesh. The kid was trying his heart out. But he's been asked to play the ball. And he's in his head. He's dropping deep. And he's trying to do Bobby Firmino things. Which takes away our goal-scoring threat. Robbie used to do that because he used to know Mane and Salah are like hawks straight into that box when he does that. Right now, when Gakpo's doing that, he's joining three absolute, I don't want, I want to use the right word, donkeys in midfield, right? Three absolute donkeys in midfield right, right now, the way they're playing, right? And then he's got Salah tucked out on the wide right. And he's got Jota, who's not fully fit. This is a tactical issue from Jurgen Klopp, how he sets up this team. Away to Crystal Palace, who are absolutely dead. Dead themselves. They haven't won a game of football. Tactically, going forward, we're either relying on Nunes or we're relying on a young midfielder. There is mm -hmm. so much disparity in middle. What is going on, Cap? I think the concerning thing is, I've seen a few people in the chat say, oh, we're going to when Diaz is back and we've got Nunes back, we've got to cook. And that's very exciting. And by all means, have that hope, you know, when these are back, guys are back fit to, to think that our fortunes are going to turn around. But my main concern is that it doesn't take many players to be out for our levels to drop so much. And that's the worry. Like plan A, when everyone's fit and everyone's fine-tuned, 
is absolute perfection almost. We've seen it. But when we lose one or two key components, the drop-off can't be that big, not for a club as size of Liverpool. We have to find a way of just having an, a, a plan B, if you want to call it, or a different way of playing, because we can't rely on high-octane energy, high press and you know pace and getting it to full-backs and stuff all the time. We have got to work on a way, in my opinion, whereby we are a bit more tactically inept you know we have more technical players that are comfortable to receive the ball and try and play a, a you know an eye of a needle pass or thread a ball through or whatever it just feels like everything again is just a little bit too predictable and um and too easy to play against Nunes I think one of the comments that I, I really liked in the chat apologies didn't bring it up he oh, says he's, okay, he's one it. of the only players that doesn't play within himself and that's exactly how I feel about this team at the moment Nunes is the guy that's just like, you know what? Yeah, I've missed plenty of chances and I've had plenty of criticism, but I'm still going to step out onto that pitch and give it my all and just run and chase. If I have to run from the left side of the pitch to the right, just to press someone, I'll do it. And it just filters through and this energy that's there. But I feel like without him, everybody else is just like, okay, I know my role. I've been there. I've done it. And let's just see how it goes. But how it's going isn't good. So somebody just needs to break the mould and just go and make something happen. And I feel like there's too many players that just don't want to do that. Now, obviously, a manager will say credit to them because they're sticking to the plan. But when the plan's not working, it just feels really lethargic and, to be honest, quite quite slow and boring at times. I, I cry out for somebody just in that team, especially, you know, in a game like Palace, just to go, screw it. I'm just going to give this a try. Just someone take somebody on. Someone run at somebody. I know it might not mount to nothing, but you have to try and you know break that that defense and try and make something happen and it feels like nobody's really prepared to do that so um tactically i feel like steve said a, a few weeks back maybe months back now that we're at risk of becoming a long ball team and to be honest i think that's probably where we are now to be totally honest with you like conroy say it's give it to trent maybe robbo if he finds himself in a position where he can run forward and just whack a ball into the box. Try and pick you, somebody you, out if you can. You've you just kind of answered your own question to some degree there. We're a long ball team because we don't trust our midfield. Mm. That's why we go long. That's why the yeah. transition is direct. Because we don't have the players in midfield. You can give the ball. They can engineer So We don't have that guile that you're, you're right, mm. that we need it. We don't have it. Mm. And that's the reason why we don't but do it. I, I almost feel like, no, we don't have it. And, and what we do have isn't good enough. But... With somebody like a Carvalho or an Elliot, just stick them in a 10. Maybe we could see something close to it. Do you know what I mean? Like maybe just... Maybe Do you know what the problem go... is? I agree with you. Mm. Do you know what the problem is, guys? We're going through a, a severe, severe confidence issue. So mm. do you remember we used to praise Klopp for picking the likes of Elliot in the midfield? Oh, that's brave of him. So Elliot, Thiago and a Fabinho, we'd say, oh... And then we'd see Elliot be able to receive the ball on a half turn, be able to create space for himself. And we think, oh, okay, this is growing on us now because he started off on a wide right. We converted him into an eight and we were trying to work out. That was Klopp's tactical plan. Thiago, obviously the signing of Thiago was completely different from Ginny in that midfield. So I do get that we had a plan, but the worrying thing, guys, and give me your input now. This is my main worry. My worry is that we've ripped up that plan after one, one and a half seasons. I think even with the players that are linked with us, 
the Jude Bellinghams, the Mateus Nunes, tall, strong, powerful runners of the ball. Not the most skillful, going to get the ball, your Cavalios, your Elliots, your Tiagos. We're reverting back to, it seems, powerful athletes after a year and a half of giving this way a shot. Or do you think it's just injuries? Let's just get back the forwards that we need and maybe we can go again. Because I'm confused, guys. I know my question doesn't make sense, maybe. Because I just no, talk, I'm just thinking out loud. It does. Well, but it's a sorry, Conroy. It's a situation where we're trying to do what we did three years ago with the players in the squad now, and it can't work and it doesn't work, and they don't have the physical capabilities to do it. So, so when when it's not working, you go go back to what's tried and tested. You go back to what you think you know works. Football mm. involves. It could be that you know you're you're an advocate for four two three one just as I am, or a four two four. You kind of want to see when I said that a couple of weeks ago. You clipped it and you put it out, and and and, and rightly so. You could you, do you want to play a, a double pivot with with Bellingham and one other? There's a question mark whether that works. To try the system that worked for Ronaldo and Fabinho and Henderson with Thiago, Keita and modern day Fabinho doesn't work because they can't give you the physicality, they can't give you the press, they can't give you the squeeze, they can't give you the intensity, the fitness or the availability. What we're suffering from is every now and then a manager gets lucky. Alex Ferguson got lucky with class of 92. Jurgen Klopp got lucky that he found three centre midfielders that were a perfect foil for each other their availability was really good. They had two athletes outside an absolutely tremendous central defensive midfielder. Those things don't last forever. And if they, and I'm going to repeat something I said a couple of weeks ago. The first sign of madness is to keep asking the same question and, and expecting a different answer when you're not going to get one. And we keep asking the same question with the players in the squad to put them into the same formation and the same game plan that worked with Ronaldo and Fabinho and Henderson that is finished because that trail has been broken up. That's where we didn't evolve, and that's where I think we have our issues. Mash sent in a super says just a big up for all the therapy and reality checks. Appreciate that, bro. I wish we had a mash right now in midfield. A mash Carano, what a monster he was. Sorry, Con, all over yeah, you. Yeah, no, no, just just a few little points on what you've all said there. I think I think obviously in general the lack of quality um in the game yesterday, I think summed it up. I think there was not a lot of quality. Um and I think that's where we are, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, and on top of the point about um, Klopp, I actually get what you're saying, Chris, because I watched your um, it was 90 Minutes last week, um, and I think you summed up very well. I think we've had enough of our uh, experience of Klopp not having that original tactic, you know, the way he wants to play with Liverpool, to kind of confirm now that I think Klopp is good tactically and staff are good tactically, but they're not, I don't think that's, I think you said they're not tactically astute. I, I would not say that. Not not tactically flexible astute at all. Adaptability, no. And I think Redknapp made a comment um, last. He said, right now, there's probably a handful of coaches who could, no, there's probably quite a few coaches who could get a better tune out of these players because they'd come in and adapt tactically. However, you're not ever going to think about Klopp leaving or anything like that because you know when he gets the refreshments, his plan A or his the way he wants to play will be better than what they could do. Uh, I'm not sure if I agree with that, but I thought it was an interesting way to look at it. But I think it's quite clear now that we keep asking for all these things, but I think there's enough of a sample size now to, to know that, yes, that team are, are good. Are, tactically, they're good, especially that one way of playing or not just that. There's, there's tweaks to that, but that's the principle. I think around that, they've shown that 
we we aren't the best. We're, we're decent, but we're not tactically astute. I would not say that we are amazing tactically, and I think that's been confirmed, to be honest. It's not one or the other. It doesn't have to be terrible or amazing. I just think when it comes to that tactical flexibility, we're not great at it. Because we, 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 we don't need to listen to Gris. Forget Gris. What the fuck does he know? What does Steen know? What does Conroy know? What does Gavin know? Carlo Ancelotti knows a bit, right? Yeah. Carlo Ancelotti, possibly in the top five managers of all time, knows a bit. And if he's referenced our predictability, right? And we know what he means. He means it in a good way, possibly in a bad way as well. But we know what it means. And we're seeing what it means on a weekly basis. Then it suggests that Klopp isn't great tactically. And I've never called him great tactically, so I'm not flip-flopping. I've always said he's one of the greatest man managers and a manager. He's a manager. He's a manager of men, a team, a group of people, whatever that involves. Even his coach, he's a manager of his coach. So his, his coach knows what he wants and then the coach trains the players or whatever and maybe gives the tactics. But tactically, if you're saying, and if anyone's going to argue back with me, I can argue all day and night that clock is not great tactically. I honestly can. Um you know, sh shout out KD sends in a generous super chat. He says, concerning about the plan, though, Klopp can't, can't make in-game changes when the plan isn't working. Madrid, he doesn't adjust when two up, sit back, doesn't adjust when two, two or three, two. And obviously we're going to come into today, the final, the last 20 minutes of, of Palace, which I thought was shocking. Um, there's not, we haven't touched on the game. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> what is there to touch on it? Apart from, apart from a brilliant clearance from Hendo, there's not much else to talk about. <laughs> um, you know, brilliant clearance from Hendo. I'm going to pick on a couple of individuals, if I may. They may be your favourites. They may be my favourites of the past. Legends of the club. Heroes. One, hopefully, still got an amazing long career ahead of him. Two guys in the probably other ends of the spectrum of their careers in terms of Liverpool. Joel Matip. I think is, I think is finished. I said the same thing about Fabinho, and so many people raised their eyebrows. I was right then, and I'm right now. Joel Matip is another. He's absolutely finished, panel. I'm not joking. He couldn't run, and I and I wanted to go and see him live because we've seen clips of him struggling and scooping the ball up in the air like he doesn't have to strike the ball cleanly and dribbling into people. And we've praised it so many times because a our structure was much better. The players were fitter and younger. When he strides into those places, people have the physical capability to cover, the physical capacity to cover. None of those are happening right now. He's going into avenues where he doesn't really know where he's going because of Darwin Nunes being new, Cody Gakpo being new, even Naby Keita playing every one, one in five games. So it's a total different set of players that he's dealing with. Trent either playing as an inverted fullback last season, now he's been asked to play as a wide fullback. It's a mismatch, mix-up, sorry, mishmash of tactics. Him, Trent, Naby was an absolute disaster on that right-hand side. It was embarrassing, shambolic, and how Jurgen Klopp didn't see it and change it early, I'm worried. Whoever wants to go after me, feel free. I am absolutely, I was embarrassed to see that right-hand side. It's been our strength and our main focus. Add Salah as well, sorry. Add Salah to that as well. Our right-hand side is where all our 
pros are and our cons are. Make of that what you will, guys. That's the main essence of the show today. All our issues and all our pros are down the right. We hardly see any damage done down the left, nor do we see any creativity anymore down our left. Why? Get your thinking caps on. Give me, and I want to talk to you guys about it. Chat, let us know as well, because I'm confused. Quick point on the left-hand side. When we were at our best, there was a triangle going on between Sadio Mane, Andy Robertson, and Jeannie Wijnaldum. Yep. There's no triangle down there anymore. Because of the way we're playing, when Thiago plays, Thiago's trying to do everything because he's aware of the players around him are not delivering. So he's gone really deep, picking the ball up, and he's forcing passes off the edge of his box into people who, who are struggling for confidence. They don't want the ball, invariably they lose it, and we're on the back foot again. We've all talked about how quickly we give the ball away. That's that's not something we did when we were when we were successful. So that there are no little give and goes going on on the left side. There are no overlaps. Ever since Seamus Coleman missed a free header against Everton. Andy Robbo's game changed that day because he realised that, that defensively, if he went walkabout, we, we might concede. He's not the same attacking force that he was. Again, we don't trust our midfield, boys. We don't trust what's going on in midfield. Steve, the manager doesn't trust his midfield. But the manager is the one who decided to keep and persevere with his midfield. So he has to take a lot of the blame. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, he's not. Listen, we all love him to bits, but he's not absolvent of criticism. Yeah. We've all said that. Cav said that on a couple of different occasions. I think if you sat down with him, away from TV cameras and things, where he's obliged to not throw his team under the bus, he'd probably tell you he, there's things he wish he'd done differently, and that might be one of them. Um, I guess, I guess we see in the summer what the plan is to put that right, but it has cost us a season to get to the point where we will be forced to put that right. And that, as Liverpool fans, because we want the best for our team, we want to be challenging for stuff, that's really been a difficult sort of pill to swallow for all of us. And and yes, he's, he has to take some criticism for that. He's had three or four players do the, what happened to Steven Gerrard and Jamie Carragher is you wake up one day and your legs are just gone and nothing you can do about it. When you get to 32, 33, you don't get a warning that says, next week you're going to wake up and you can't run. And I'm, I'm thinking of Joe Matic. Joe Matic will be revered by Liverpool fans for years for sure. to come because of the sure. games he played in and what we won as a, as a team. But there comes a time when you have to look at these players and say, it's done. I think we all know, and certainly memories in, in, in certain avenues, that if Liverpool get a bid for Joe Matic in the summer, then it'll be thank you very much, sir. Thank you for everything you did. We will love you forever. But go and finish your career in something that's a little bit less demanding where you can enjoy yourself a bit more. And I'm okay with that. But there's three or four other players in the team that maybe five or six that falls into the same category. Fabinho's legs have gone. I did a little check and I'm, I'm, I keep banging this drum right, but it's really important that people recognise this. Fabinho and Henderson have played a thousand games between them, a thousand first team games of football. Fuck you know. In, in modern football today, that would, will drain your body, particularly in Liverpool centre midfield. They're gone. There's nothing in the tank. You can't plug them into a charger and Fabinho rocks up a month's time with the break from the World Cup, with the break from not playing. I am concerned that physically that guy is not up to the job in our centre midfield anymore. And I've seen people, who think self-included, that have said, have we got a decent bid for him in the summer? 
you'd have to consider it. But if you've not been hiding, unless you've been hiding under a rock for the last 12 months, why would you come to Liverpool Football Club with 25, 30 million pounds for a player that's not performing? So we've got all these issues, all these players who fell off a cliff, all these players that are tired, all these players that are mentally and physically drained because there's only so many times you could try and do something and not get there before you start questioning yourself and whether you can get there. And I'm talking about winning trophies here. And then suddenly your your self-confidence hits to the lowest end that it possibly can. And it might need a move to another club under a different set of pressures, different physicality, different game plan. Most importantly, not playing in the Premier League week in, week out, which is physically very hard to do. So I think we've got a massive, massive rebuild. It starts in the centre midfield. We think we're going to get a, a, a centre back in the summer. If we get two centre midfielders and a centre back in the summer, and then Fabinho and Henderson do the squad player role, we might be in a slightly better position than we are this season. We are not going to go and buy six or seven players. I think you'd recognise that, Grid, because that's not going to happen. But they have to invest each and every transfer window to address the players that, have, that that you can identify having problems, they're leaving it like they did this year till it's too late. We're going to get into the real, real debate and Cav and Conroy, I'm just giving you a one-minute warning. It's going to be a role revolving around Trent Alexander-Arnold. Uh, but there's over 500 of you amazing, loyal, loyal subscribers. You guys are amazing. We love you. Leave a like on the stream because there's... Not even half of you have liked the stream for some strange reason. It's like you you guys have lost your legs uh, as well, uh, like the Liverpool midfield. A couple of super chats before I get Cavs and Conroy's. We continue with the meat of the show into really the meaty part. Question for Cav. Jamrock, appreciate the support. He says, did Ancelotti change his tactics in the Champions League final last year versus the games leading up to the Champions League final where Madrid play more open? <laughs> Because <laughs> we addressed something a few weeks back. I, I made the point that I was happy for Liverpool to roll out the same tactics for the Champions League final mm. as what the tactics were that got us there. Because I made the point that I think as a manager, if you get your team to the Champions League final, you've almost done your job. And, um, and it's then on the players to go out and just get them across the line for that final game. And Jamrock did question me and said, well, Ancelotti adjusted in the final and ends up getting a result. But yeah, look, he, he did change slightly. Um, they were comeback kings in the lead up to that final. They were a bit more conservative and they managed the game. But that's what they do because they have vast experience. And look, we've experienced that yet again only earlier this week. Real Madrid have got stars all over the pitch, but they've got bags and bags and bags of experience and they just know not to panic. They know how to stay in games and they know when to attack and kill you. And that's what they do. Um, Shane McGee sends in a super chat as well. He says, agree with you guys. Klopp probably knows he's wrong, but I feel like he's written the season off and he's looking towards the summer. Hope John gets the checkbook out, mate. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, we're hoping and praying. And um, I, I feel as though he's, they've been pushed into a corner and I'm not praising them now. When I say they will, and I'm not being pro-FSG and FSG in when I say they will, but read between the lines. Businessmen, when they're forced to do something, do it. It's because of the sake of their business. So that's what I think is going to happen. Uh, Conroy and Cav, and Steve, of course. A um, lot of, lot of frustration, anger, all sorts of stuff. 
with regards to Trent's performance as well, especially in that first half. Well, actually, no, he survived about 15, 20 minutes of the second yeah. half, didn't he? Um, Matip, I've written off. And that doesn't mean he's not a hero of mine. I just don't think he's good enough, fit enough, strong enough, fast enough to play it for Liverpool Football Club anymore at the level that we aspire to. Trent Alexander-Arnold is nothing like that in terms of age, fitness, technique, all of those things. But there's something wrong with Trent Alexander-Arnold. And I can't put my finger on it. And I don't want to mm. just pick out one thing and just give my opinion. I want a group chat about it. Mm. Trent Alexander-Arnold started off as an... Steve will know more. Steve, was it, was it an attacking... 10 almost I'm attacking midfielder wasn't it was he an 8 uh, on the front say? foot midfielder yeah on the front foot yeah definitely he's sort of looking because the passing range has always been there he was a, he was a creative midfielder not a defensive one so he is converted into a, 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 a fullback in a Klopp system that relied on creativity and energy to come from the flanks him and Robertson were fucking brilliant do you guys remember the Leicester City game on no, Boxing yeah. Day yeah, nice unstoppable. Absolutely unstoppable. In recent year or years, maximum two years, maximum, he's been asked to be uh, almost a Kevin De Bruyne from fullback. Be inverted. Don't go overlapping as much. Robertson does that role. And we've just tried to change, change the average positions, you could say. What now? What now? Because... There seems to be a big question mark over his defending about his naivety <clears throat> and about his body language. And that people are saying if his body language is don't fix, he's becoming a what's the word? Um, a problem. <clears throat> a problem in a defense. Because the rest of the team don't function like it used to, and therefore he's not being protected as much. Whose fault is this? Is this Trent's fault? Is this Klopp's fault? <clears throat> Whose fault is it then? And like Klopp evolved him into an inverted eight and nearly won everything. This is where it's confusing, guys, because I don't know what the answer is. Because we nearly won everything with him inverted. Nearly won everything. Yet now, six months later, we're losing everything. Mm -hmm. can, can I just I jump in here? I feel like we mentioned this recently. I think like um, on whose fault it is, you probably see a bit of both. Like, obviously, his body language as of late, it looks like he's, 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 a, he's getting annoyed. He's, he's not following stuff. I do think he's had good moments, though. I feel like there is this weird narrative now where it's like, Trent's the, you know, the most out of form player. I wouldn't say that because, as you say, the Darwin Nunes assist, like he's had games where he's actually been mm -hmm. one of the better performers. Obviously, last night wasn't the case. Like you got the Mateta chance, which is just, just like would sum us up. To be honest, the fact that he should score the the, the one that hits the what ball. Is that? that's actually, that's what are those crazy two mistakes? Myth. What are those two mistakes? He's seen Joe Matip cost us in recent weeks. Yeah. He's seen Joe Gomez cost us numerous times this season. He's done the exact same thing. Yeah, in the first 15-20 minutes again. I feel like you know he's he's always always going to have the creative head on in the sense of he'll try and do a one-two to get round. You I mean you've seen it numerous times where he's trying to get on an attack and we've not even won the ball back yet. You know, it's maybe a 50-50. So I think both parties involved in that, mainly train that attitude that that's got to come in the player. But when you talk about <laughs> I think we've lost Conrad. Is he gone? Yeah, he'll be back. Um, well, 
Let, let's let's go back to the start of the season with Trent, right? Because I think we can all agree that Trent's had some really good games defensively, especially when he's been, you know, um, given a tax sort of one-on-one defending these uh, really tricky wingers. He's had good games. I've seen him defend out Sane, Neymar. You know, he's done well against Set Max in the past and things. These really good, you know, world-class forwards. Um, and so defensively, I think he can be okay. It's his it's his um, concentration. He just switches off. A lot, and that's been the criticism for a lot of his sort of since he got into the Liverpool side. Attacking, we know, is insane, and he's been crucial for what we've won and what he's won, you know, if in domestically. I think at the start of the season, there was a bit of a change with him, though. He started to drift into areas that I wasn't used to seeing him in. And I remember the um, the charity shield where he, he scores the goal, doesn't he? He comes into at the edge of the 18 yard box, hits across it, and puts it in the far post. So he's on the edge, sort of central of the 18 yard box. and at the time, I thought, oh, that's fantastic because Trent has so much ability. We've seen him create from deep on the right side. We've seen him create from the byline on the right side, you know, and the variety in his assists. But actually, he's a really good, you know, really good technical hitter of the ball so he can get a shot away. And I thought, oh, if we can get him more central and actually get in direct shots on goal, maybe this is something we can add to his game. But I think that was the idea. I don't think it worked, though. And for so so many games at the start of the season, he was drifting in almost like 10 positions, centre-forward positions. And I was like, this is crazy because you are so far away from where your actual position is and the cover isn't good enough anymore. That This is just a, a, a crazy problem. So I think as the season went on, we retracted that idea and he became positionally a lot better and he just stuck to sort of that right, sort of sided right back position and was creating more chances from deep and not venturing forward so much. He still had the odd press where he goes up the pitch, but he was sort of occupying that more natural right back position, right wing back position. And then it was a question about his attitude. I felt, I think it improved slightly. Well, actually drastically when he came back from the World Cup, but leading up to the World Cup, he felt like something was up. Felt like he was having a bit of the deli alleys about him where a lot of hype, and rightly so, because he's an incredible player, won everything domestically. Felt like he just hit that wall in his career where it was like, okay, here's the first real question mark. Are you going to be that player that goes on and fulfills a really, you know, long quality career and gets labelled, rightly so, as one of the best right backs you've ever seen? Or is it going to stop now? Is this hype and this attention and this glory that you've got going to get to you and suddenly you don't begin to work as hard as perhaps you once did. And then it all becomes, you know, begins to fall away from there. Um, and I feel like he, he, had, he went through like the motions a lot of this season. And then when he come back from the World Cup, I think being left out of the, obviously he was in the squad, but didn't really play. You know, I think that it was like, OK, fine. World Cup's gone now. International stuff's gone now. Let's concentrate on Liverpool. I'm a Liverpool lad. I support this team as well. Let's try and achieve something again this season. And I feel like he's maybe at a point now where he feels like, and then maybe his free kick sums this up, where he's a bit like, I'm a bit tired of having to drag this team. I support this team, so it hurts me when we, we're, we're playing like this. But I am literally the creative outlet. Um, I'm speaking in first person now. <laughs> I don't know why. But I'm, I'm, I am the creative outlet. So often I've come up trumps when it's creating chances, creating goals. I'm always asked and criticised defensively. And maybe it's just simply the pressure for him maybe it's just like okay i can't be the guy that you come to all the time like maybe if he was at another club right maybe perhaps not on liverpool's level 
they would be they would recognize his ability and go you know what we're just going to plan the team around him he is that good we're just going to facilitate everything Trent can and wants to do and they'll just get bodies around him and he'll just be the focal point in terms of the attack but I don't feel like we do it here he's just an asset to us and I don't feel like we're we're willing to sort of complement his game fully it's just go out there and do what you do and we'll see what happens and I think he's probably just much like his fans just feeling the frustration and feeling the disappointment and feeling you know the pressure of also playing in that team as well at the moment which is why sometimes now he gets caught out and he just looks like he's not bothered because he's probably just you know wants the season to be over already that that i'm going to get i'm, I'm going to come to you con next about that and his altercation which has been you know spoken about with with henderson and I and I'm, I'm gonna and I'm gonna give my personal experience of watching him really carefully and closely his body language and everything as well, because obviously I'm a body language expert now. Um, but I like I like I like this from HSN. He says Trent looks soulless. What I mean by that, he doesn't appear happy or upbeat in around games like he was before. Something is bothering him as much as it's his game. There's something more. I feel. KD sends in a super chat. Appreciate the support, bro. He says Trent's attitude. He wants to be captain. Do you think all the talk of Jude coming for that role? Has him like this. He's always been laid back. Lately, he's been the one talking to refs, reference decisions, or anything like that. Maybe on the back of that, Conroy, and just the Trent chat. And then you and <clears throat> Steve, I want your opinions on maybe is it time for a formation change tweak or change of role? Yeah. Trent, well, sorry, sorry for cutting out, guys. There seems to You're be good. issues in my area at the moment because it's, it's playing up a little bit. But, um, yeah, for what I was saying, I think kind of Cav alluded to that. For me, we need to cut the shit. Trent is our best player for cre- he's, he is easily the best player, and in football terms, he's an absolute diamond. So I think sometimes there needs to be a bit. No, te- we play for the team, and all. I understand that, but it, it's getting to the point now where I'm be like, he's probably not going to be a, a right back in the long term, like a, a, a fully functioning full back, right? And we don't even use him that way, but I mean, in a four, and it's just sometimes it annoys me. It's like. Right now, our game plan is, most of it is give the ball to Trent and he'll do something. So if I'm him, I'm like, well, I'm the main source of creativity, but I've still got to track my man consistently. Instead of, why don't you give me more protection and I'm the main source anyway to allow me Mm -hmm. to flourish more and do less. It's not rocket science. So I feel like the fact that we've not tried that once and how many shows that we do a show every week, but we've not once went, why don't we try maybe a narrow 4-4-2, have them out there, and instead of, you know, because it, it's different playing in a free midfield, and I've, I've, I accept that, I don't think he is that player, or even playing a three at the back, five at the back to help him. Like, I think we need to maybe just look at ourselves and see, he is an unbelievable talent, and there would be top five teams in the world would take him in a heartbeat and utilise him 100%. But we sometimes, right now, I feel like we don't see that. Like, he's never, he's always going to have mistakes as a defender. It's always going to happen. But you could get the best out of him. Like, his creativity could be on a next level if you just gave him that protection. I think it is anyway. Like, we're relying on a 23-year-old or whatever age he is, probably younger than that. To, that's that's our creativity. That's it. If he's not playing, let's, let's, let's not talk a load of rubbish here. If Trent's out for six months... Right, I'm worried about our creativity because we've got we've not got a lot right now. I'm seeing players who just we signed Cody Gakbo, and I'm not jumping a bandwagon. I think it's a bad time, but it's like I don't know what they're working on in training. I I don't see anything that says like oh that's what they're, they're trying to exploit weaknesses. I don't see that, and I just feel like he is the main creator, 
And I don't know why we don't just think, do you know what? Let's play Gomez at right back today. Let's play um, Milner and put him in a, in a 4-4-2, narrow 4-4-2, very similar to United 99 season with Beckham. Or try a three. Oh my God, try a three at the back. Now, I know I've not got many centre-backs now, but try something a bit different instead of doing the same. Steve said doing the same things and expecting different results. He has good performances. Don't get me wrong at right back. He has. But overall, it's like, He's the main guy when it comes to creating. So why don't we give him a bit of protection? I just I just think we need to accept he's not going to be this like right back who's going to be defensively solid in his career. I think he can have good performances, but there's always going to be weaknesses. There's weaknesses to everyone's game. I just it, it baffles me that we've not tried it once. We we've got a right off for the next three months in the sense of we'll try for Champions League. I don't think we'll get it. Um why don't we try something now and prepare us for next season instead of doing the same thing? And it'll just be win a game, lose a game, draw a game. And it'll be like that. There'll not be any consistency. And I just, I feel like now would be the right time to try that. So I know I've went on a bit, but I just, I can't believe we talk about using the best talents we've got and we've not tried that once. And it's just, it's, it's, it's actually annoying me now, to be honest. So basically, Steve Conroy is uh, saying that he's too much of a talent not to be building... A team around or formation, or at least he's a best player. Is it time now to create a formation around Trent moving forward? Um, yes and no, yes, because we know he's got all the ability in the world, no, because there's an arrogance developing in his personality, which I'm not keen on when he calls out, he spoke to for a mistake in the first 10 minutes and his. His response was the second word was off. We'll, we'll say that much, shall we? So basically, he told one of his teammates to f off because he'd been dug out for a mistake. His captain, his captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. That's his captain, right? That's yeah, you know, heard what Jordan Henderson says to players though. So is, are they players just allowed, allowed to get called everything under the sun by Henderson and not say anything back? That that thing you saw in lockdown with Henderson going, "Go on, son, that's great, son, do that, son." There's four players in every team that does that. That's not unique. I don't understand why that was put out I'm there. Not talking about that, Steve. I'm talking about if you watch and you've been to games, you know, even watch, you don't have to go to the games yeah. to see that. Like, you can see what Henderson says to certain players. Also, Henderson, imagine Henderson. Henderson having that game and then telling and criticising exactly. you. Exactly. And it's, yeah. I'm like, I promise you this, right? Our coaching staff are far worse than Henderson. I know from a well known source that our, our, our coaching staff and the team on the line, are awful. So they're, they're aggressive, they swear at opposition, they're not very nice people to be around. So it's little wonder that, that Henderson's on the pitch screaming, shouting, calling players' names because everything's gone to pot at the moment. I'm not suggesting it's right, I get your point. You don't swear at your captain, end of. If you, if you swore at Graham Souness, when you got in the changing room, he'd take your head off his shoulders. If you swore at Stephen Gerrard, when you got in the changing room, he'd take your head off his shoulders. There isn't I know something I can't talk about, and I'll tell you off air at some point because about the situation. Um, he needs to, to understand his role in the team. He is an absolute precocious talent. We should be building the team around him. Do we move him forward into midfield and say to him, go on then, there's the keys, go and unlock every single team we're playing against. Like it or not, at some point, Klopp and his coaching staff have got to address the fact that Every team we play against plays down our right-hand side. Every team we play against. 
and there are no exceptions to that whatsoever. Nobody goes and tests Robertson and Van Dyke because history and statistically you get nothing from them. So everything goes down that 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 our right hand side, the opposition's left hand side. That's because the way we play Trent, I've said this loads of times, start the season, Klopp gets him in the office and says, I don't care if we concede goals in the right back position, I'll deal with your cover. And you're right, the cover's not good enough at the moment. Your job is to go and challenge Kevin De Bruyne for creating the most goals in the Premier League season on season. That is your job. Klopp came out six weeks ago and said, I don't understand why you guys have got this narrative in the media that, that Trent doesn't defend. We don't ask him to. I don't know what else the club can do to try and make people realise that the the role we give him means defensively we are carrying him. And we're seeing this week in, week out. People are getting in behind him. He's not bothered because someone said to him, don't worry about it. The personality the guy's got is... He believes in himself. He believes in his own ability. And that's why he's as good as he is. All the best players are like that. Perhaps doesn't feel he warrants any criticism, which would explain why Suarez captain yesterday. He needs to be moved. Where do we move him to? Conroy, you've said before, you don't see him as an eight. I don't see him as an eight. I think the job's too big for him because you have to be defensively disciplined to do that too. What do you do with him is the, is the million-dollar question, isn't it? You play a three, a three at the back and then you put two in the middle, two wing-backs that come narrow when you don't have the ball, there's a possibility that works for him because that gives him a little bit of protection because you've got Canate sitting in a right centre-back role behind him or someone that we sign in the future, who knows? Mm. And then he gets a little bit of protection. At this moment in time, he's not creating, he's not defending, he's got a little bit of an attitude problem about him at the moment. Real Madrid asked about him in the summer that there will be others that ask about it this summer because from the outside looking in, there's a problem there and it's not working. Um, Cav and Conroy, uh, yeah, look, I, I'm not going to lie, I was fuming with his attitude. Um, I agree, Conroy, swearing and shouting is part and parcel of the game. Players do it all the time. I agree with you. I, I, yeah, I think that happens Hendo, a lot. Hendo, Hendo does it all the time to everyone else and everything else. When he plays a bad pass, and but, but, but I tell you, but I tell you, what was the most important part of that whole thing, Conway, which blows up your theory? I'm sorry. Was Klopp hauling him off? No, but so that's Klopp, not, so that's Klopp, not a theory. I'm just saying I understand why he does it. He's a human. Yeah, no, no, but, no, no, me. But I, know, I know, I know. But if, but, but, but this is the whole point. If you haven't shown any emotion, because I'm telling you now, because I was there. This is not inside information. I was fucking there. And I was watching him while Virgil had a go at him. Hendo, Hendo didn't even have a go at him for the first mistake. Hendo just like knew. Professionals know that you're better than that. Mm. You're Trent Alexander-Arnold. Matip went, come on, come on, no problem, no problem. Virgil was like, what the fuck? At no point did he acknowledge them or his mistake yeah. or anything of the sort. Mm-hmm. You can't defend that, Conroy. Right? No, second I, I, mistake, I, I, second I, I, mistake. Again, the same. This time, Hendo shouted, "Like, come on!" Well, I'm not. I'm not defending the mistakes, by I'm just saying, like, no, 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 no. Mistakes I understand. Happen. I agree. I agree with each other all the time. I feel like this, sometimes we, we emphasize that. Um, but Grizz, I get that. Like, I really do, honestly, guys. I get what you're saying, and I get what Steve's saying, right? But in times in life, this is not a. This is football, right? It's about having the best key to success, right? Trent's a generational talent, right? And at the moment, it seems to me that 
you're saying he's not been creative, Steve. I still think he has actually been quite creative in a lot of games. And it's like, if we, as you say, like an offer Madrid, if you let Trent go, that would be easily the biggest mistake because he'd go somewhere else, he'd dominate, he'd be a KDB level success. It's so obvious. You can see it. And in times, it's about looking at like from a, a, a team point of view, not about we're all in this together. No, it's about what gives you success and the most chance of winning games. And ultimately, I don't, it doesn't matter what he's like as a person. It, sorry, I take that back. It doesn't matter if he's maybe got a chip in your shoulder at the moment. I mean, but I feel like obviously you don't want him to be a dickhead. I get that. But I just feel like you can see that why does give him more protection and stop him having to constantly do something that he's not naturally great at. And he's, you've seen, he's had enough time to improve as a defender. He's probably not going to hit that level and just let him create, yeah. let him be that person. And I just feel like it'd be a massive mistake. That That's all I'm saying. I think um, it's a question of respect. I think you made the point earlier, Grizz, when we were talking about ability and performance, that actually it's our most experienced pros that are currently letting us down. And I think there's this huge sort of extreme in this squad at the moment is you have the senior pros that aren't performing and aging and then you have a host of new players that can't really talk to anybody yet because they're still finding their feet and I think Trent finds himself somewhat in the middle as an experienced yet still relatively young guy so when someone like Henderson barks him he's like probably turning around and going look I respect you as a man and what you've done but right now how can you shout at me you know because look at what you're giving this team and he probably says, you know, when Matip encourages him, he's probably looking at Matt going, I don't want your encouragement because you're not playing well either. Is this and then, is this right though, guys? Is this well, right? Well, no, it's not. And and you'd like to think he'd do better, but it's football and in the heat in the moment, when someone when your teammates are playing terribly and they're trying to get on your back, you would I think you naturally would react. Mm, mm. You would look at them and go, don't shout at me, concentrate on your own job. I'm out here every single week getting criticised whilst being mm. the most creative player on this pitch. Mm. So will you just get off my back for a minute, you know? And mm. I feel like this is where I was, I, I'm trying to say about the, it doesn't justify a bad, bad attitude. You have to be better than that. You have to be maturer than that. Mm. But we have to also be be real and this is football and it's high intense level level football and when he's showing that attitude or like he doesn't care he's just responding in a moment and I feel like after the game obviously what we're not privy to he's he, he maybe goes in the dressing room he speaks to Henderson look I didn't mean to flip out you mate blah, 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 blah. but in the game like I say he is so vital to us that I think sometimes it's just the criticism you just need to chill and like yeah it's going to make a mistake but we need you. The best, the most respected players on the pitch, whether it's right or wrong, are the best players. I can tell you that from experience playing football all my life. Is the guys that are, that get the goals and get the assists and, and are technically brilliant always command respect. And it's not right because the guys that have respect are the ones that should be your teammate and the one that's there for you and encourages you and has the real like interpersonal skills. But ultimately, they're not. The best players are the ones that demand the respect. I knew it would be an emotional talking point. Um, you know, it's 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 been on the timelines of many a many a person. Sort of the situation with not just Trent. We focused in on Trent because he got substituted early, and I don't know you guys thinking or the theory behind that because he put, he put Milner, and this is what I was going to come to. The game peters out to nothing. It was it was absolutely awful. 
the last couple of minutes, they got a few corners and I was thinking, oh, this would be so typical. They score a winner uh, out of nothing. They didn't have the shot on target in the whole nine minutes. Salah hits the crossbar, gets unlucky. Gakpo misses a chance. You'd like to think he, he would have been a bit more braver and should have got there quicker and earlier. And it was a bit of a... I don't know what kind of finish he tried. Uh, I've seen it. I've seen it back, but at the time I thought, you know, he he could have been more braver. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Peter's out to a draw. The last 15, 20 minutes. I don't know if you guys have got anything to add in terms of Klopp settled for a draw. I think Steve was alluding to it at the start. He just thought, keep a clean sheet, get out of there, and then we build on the next two home games. Is that pretty much how you guys saw it? Because none of those substitutions suggested to me we have any any positive thoughts in our body to try win the game. We ended up with Elliot on the left wing, Bejetic, Henderson, Fabinho in midfield, and all sorts. Um, mm -hmm. Is that how you guys saw it as well? Just very well out. summarized. Very well summarized, Grizz. That is, in a nutshell, that's exactly what we did. Um, that, so that's, that's a very right. It is upsetting, but that's the state of mind I feel as though we find ourselves. But what it means now is, don't you think, <laughs> don't you think the pressure is huge now to go out and make sure we put on an attacking display for the lack of attacking intent and display against Wolves? Now we go and put on a show against Wolves, and my God, do we need to humble the other lads next week or the week after when we play them in the in the league? That's the only way this point may be looked at in a positive light. When you go, Kat. I, I was just going to make a point that um, we're not in a title race. We're in a top four race. So oh. draws, draws are devastating in a title race. But in a top four race, it might not be the worst thing just to keep collecting the odd point as long as you follow it up with wins. So I'm trying just trying to put a positive spin on it. Our objective is to get top four now in the league and maybe just collecting a point Although we, we're kind of used to losing now, but let's forget this season. Prior to this season, a point would have been terrible. A point at Sennheim's part would have been terrible. But perhaps in in a you know a charge to get top four, it might not be the worst. So you're not, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Sorry, guys. We went back to the show we did after the Wolves game. We got beat three 0 and one of us has said to the rest of the guys on the stream, "Would you settle for seven from nine points in the next three league games and three clean sheets?" Every single one of us would have ripped your arm off. So, as, as frustrated and as poor as the game was yesterday, it's not Wolves 3, Liverpool 0. It's not catastrophic for our, you're right, Cav, for our, our top four. Well, let's, let's be honest. It's not a top four race. It's a fourth place race because the top three are gone. Right, No one's going to catch them. It's for one place for three or four or five teams who want it. It's a fourth place race. If we said we take seven from nine points, and if we take seven from nine points in the next three games, and then seven from nine points in the three games after that, and so on and so forth to the end of the season, we will be playing Champions League football because no one else in the league is doing that. Our frustration is we love our football club and we expect them to go and beat Crystal Palace, and they didn't. And it's the manner of how they didn't. But but the this is where the getting out of there without losing thing comes into play even more so. It's not an easy place to go. We know this. And you went there, Grizz. They're right on top of the pitch. They're really loud. They'd have been they'd have bought into it. They'd have seen our midweek performance. They'd have been thinking, here comes our first win. They'd have seen our Wolves performance. Here comes our first win. I will take seven from nine points 
at, at, in three-game uh, intervals for the rest of the season because I think you end up in fourth place if you do that. Um, I, I guess it sort of goes into our super chat of the night, probably the last super chat of the night. Gagan Deep says, massive rebuild is paramount now due to the reactive culture of the club. If we strengthened it in a position of power and put in a couple of years each season, we wouldn't be in this position. Um, I I suggested my shirt or whatever you want to call it, cardigan, is one what builders wear uh, and my hat is, I said, because of the rebuild needed. Cav and the lads immediately laughed and said, that's not a builder's shirt. Like, what are you on about? So they ruined my punchline. I have, guys in the chat, I have, like, over 500 of you, have you guys not seen builders wear these kind of, or foremen at building sites wear this kind of shirt? Conroy, you're nodding. I've got something. No, to, to, to me, it's like, I feel like um, I've seen, it's I think rebuild. when you said the American yeah. thing, but usually in a building site, you'll have a high vis on Grizz. So, like, you'd have a high vis okay. or a work jacket. So, may, maybe contractors in America, whereas maybe not high health okay. and safety standards. Take, take off the hat because the hat's obviously completely different. So, if you put one of those, what's it called? The safety. Yeah, but you usually have a high vis, a high vis. Oh, maybe, yeah. maybe with a high vis, maybe, maybe. More like a lumberjack, you know, a lumberjack in America. I can maybe see that, you know. I'll go yeah. with that. I'll go with that. But, um, but, it, but what I meant was massive rebuild mm. is paramount now, guys, isn't it? Um, we can joke about it. We can say we don't. We we need to do this. We need to do that. Oh, he'll come back from injury. I'm I'm bollocks with all of these players now, pretty much. <laughs> I no, I am. I'm just. A, it's just a matter of yeah. who who we're gonna keep and be realistic. So. Huge, huge rebuild. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm putting, I'm putting my neck on the line. I'm saying three plus one centre back, three midfielders, obviously, and one centre back. Mm-hmm. Any takers for that, or any sub, or anything else? I'll, I'll go for that. I'll have that. Yeah. I mean, as in, as in, I think that's what we will do as well. well I'd bet your hand off for that, Grizz. Take that, mate. We need, um, we need something. Um, absolutely. It's just. Yeah, it's very obvious this season. You've seen it. The chat knows it. We know it. We've discussed it numerous times. Um, and I think as well, Steve, your point and, and Cav about Grizz kind of, eh, sorry, not Grizz, <laughs> Klopp shutting up shop eh, towards the end to just get us over the line with a point. Overall, we've said a lot of the negative things we've seen, but see that type of decision-making, I'm not against that in certain games. If we maybe had more of that thinking against Real Madrid, I know it's all ifs and buts. Um, instead of, you know, doing what we're doing 100 miles an hour, if that's for sign of things to come, then hopefully that can be a a bit more of tactically in the right direction. But yeah, if we could get those signings in, that would be ideal. But as I say, they need to be starters, though. This is the thing. It's not a, a depth, you know, let's get a player for potential. They need 100%. to be ready to go. And that's very important. Um, KD sends in a super chat. says, United, Brentford, Brighton, Newcastle, all recently drew at Selhurst Park too. Seven out of nine. Same as Fulham, United and City. Um, we go again, he suggests Wolves, but as I said, Cav, Wolves is is paramount. There's no ifs and buts. There will be a lot of pride, individual pride at stake after what Wolves done to us. Um, are you anticipating anything? Something? <laughs> um, well, I hope so, because I'll be at the game. So uh, I'm hoping there'll be something positive for me to shout about. Um, we've Feels like I've played on for a hundred times already this season, so we should know what to expect by now. Um, yeah, I mean, we spoke about it at sort of the top of the show. Hopefully, Nunes will be back for that game. That's vitally important. Bissetti, I'd expect to come back into the team. He makes a big impact as well. 
Um, obviously back at Anfield, so we'll have that additional support with the crowd. So, yeah, I am expecting a response. Um, I'm expecting a performance much like what we've seen against Everton. Um, I won't say Newcastle because the result was good, but obviously against 10 men. So I'm expecting that level of performance and that level of energy. Um, and hopefully, yeah, that will be enough. And I think it will be enough to get us to get us the points. But we should take Wolves lightly. Mm-hmm. They've got very strong midfielders, um, especially. So they can turn up and dominate. So, it's done a very yeah. good job. Um, and lads... James sends in a super chat says, do you think Klopp will be handed a war chest? If so, what's your midfield three? Mine is Jude, Agate, Kone, and then he says capital letters, not Mount. Steen, Conray, anything to add or subtract from that? Uh, I'm with you, Cav, about Wednesday night because I'll also be at the game, so I'm expecting Liverpool to, uh, to um, step up and deliver at home. Uh, with regards to this one, um, we all want Bellingham. Um, Klopp likes Mason Mount. So if he's a chance he can get him, they will try it. And then it'll be one other. Caicedo's probably too expensive. It's a lot of money. Um, and there are other similar type players around. And if you're buying a player to play in a six, because Mount's not a six, and, and Bellingham's not a six, Caicedo's actually not particularly tall. So there's, there's a notion that... that Fabinho wins or did win lots of headers. They never got as far as Van Dijk and, and Matic because of the sheer size of the man. You go and put a five foot eleven centre midfielder in there as a six. You're asking one of your centre backs to come and engage free kicks into the, into those areas and goal kicks. You don't really want that. Our, our success has been anything that Fabinho didn't deal with the pace of, of, of a Gomez, a Van Dijk. A Canate and, and the reading of the game until recently of Matip allowed us to deal with that. We don't want centre backs when we've got full backs pushing high, getting involved with phase one balls in midfield because we, we don't have aerial strength in there. So I think we need a unit. We're back to that big physical presence again, aren't we? The Grizz mentioned earlier, you have to have one. And I think the one sits in the six. Um, so that's why the likes of Taram and guys like that who are more physical than, than Caicedo would probably. And Caicedo's plays predominantly on the left side of the centre midfield, not in the six for Brighton anyway. Um, I'm not sure he's the answer. I think he's really, really expensive. Con, have you got any preferences for your three before we wrap up? Yeah, no, just quickly. I think we've done the show a couple of weeks ago. So if you've not checked that out, have, oh, have that. that was a really yeah. top show. And Evan's point and um, um, Garde on that, Evan had done his homework and he kind of sold me on that, to be honest, because it's, um, I think the release clause quite reasonable as well. Presence, athleticism would, would kind of suit that mould of the high press with that engine room midfield. So I would go with him and I think the Bellingham shout is obvious. Mount's an interesting one. Um, I'm not a Mount hater. I don't think you are, Grizz, either, I think, because obviously you do different shows. I'm a, I'm a, Mount, I'm a, I'm a Mount OK. I'm a Mount f- See, not fan because I don't watch him enough to become a fan. Yeah. But from from what I've seen of Mount, I can envisage him being far more effective than Curtis Jones. 100%. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Naby Keita. And that's my thinking for a 40 And a, a club player. system as well. I think he suits it very good at very pressing high energy. I, I just would say I'd be intrigued to see what Klopp could do with a mount. Uh, that's what I'd, I'd be intrigued to see. I genuinely think if he doesn't sign at Chelsea, guys, he'll, he'll end up at Liverpool. I genuinely think that. There so let's go. keep an eye on that. If he doesn't yep. sign at uh, Chelsea, if he doesn't extend, he'll end up at Liverpool. 
And I think he'll be far more useful than the three players that I've mentioned. And that's the way I've got to look at it. So that doesn't mean he's my first choice before, oh, here we go. <laughs> Mount tax, English, British tax, um, Grizz, you know what I mean? Um, can't call me all sorts of names. No, he'd be the third. The first mm. and the second for me, Jude, and I agree with Steve, I want a monster. I want a physical presence. Agate, Akone, um, they'd be the two top of my list. Caseda would probably be too much, but too much, yeah. If we're going to go all out and not buy expensive centre-back, like we done that, go and watch the show. Go and watch the show. Good this show. is exactly what we discuss in the show. Go. On. This is exactly what we discussed, mm. right? Well, like yeah. balancing the finances and acts and everything. We're not going to tell you what we ended up with. Kev, anything to, to add or subtract? Uh, just maybe that um, there might be some smart signings we can make with the teams that uh, get relegated or a fight in relegation end up towards the bottom of the table. You know, there's Southampton. There's a couple of players in there that might be of interest. Um, same with Leeds, same with West Ham if they stay down there. So maybe uh, there'll be players that look to move because they don't want to do this relegation scrap. They're not happy that they've been relegated and we might be able to sort of cherry pick them players and maybe go back to what we did really well quite a few years ago now whereby we picked up these players that we thought, oh, you know, don't think much to them. They weren't good enough to keep their teams in the league but actually they come in and they do a, a, a respectable job for us. So maybe that's something we should maybe look at. Just to throw names out there, a Ward-Prowse, a, a Bellacopter, uh, Aronson, Jack Harrison. Um, yeah, the names go on. They're not exciting. Declan Rice, you know, they're not probably not the, the first choice men. But if we have to get numbers in the squad, you know, like we've said three midfielders and a centre-back, we might just have to make one or two of them smart signings. And I think maybe that... Um, looking at them relegated teams or close to relegated teams might be the way to go. Plus, some free transfers in the summer, which I know isn't exciting, but there's some decent options out there as well. So, yeah, we might have to look at that. Ashby sends the best uh, message of the night. He says, Grizz ball knowledge is us. And then he says, Mount. Um, my ball knowledge, I agree, is us. But I've been blessed with having my own channel and get paid to give my ass knowledge. You're in my chat making cheeky comments every five comments. So <laughs> anyway, lads, lasses, people, human beings, animals, whoever's watched us, love you all. I don't think Conroy's going to come back. He's been having Wi-Fi issues, but big up, Conroy. Uh, stay out now, Conroy. Don't come back. Uh, <laughs> we're all finishing now. Steve, uh, thanks very much for that. Kev, thanks very much for that. Loads of content over the week. We'll be back with the Red Fellas. Well, these guys will be back with the Red Fellas next week. Um, where we'll have loads to talk about again, I'm sure. Make sure you've liked on your way out if you haven't. Um, let me just block Ash now for being a prick. Bye, Ash. You're blocked. Uh, so make sure you've liked the stream if you haven't already. Subscribe if you haven't. Uh, Conroy's back just to wave goodbye. This is going to be fun. I'm just going to add Conroy. Conroy, just wave goodbye. That's all. Just, just wave goodbye. There you go. Conroy's wave goodbye. We out of here. Take care. Bless up, everyone. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.